Hey, welcome to a special bonus episode. We're going to be talking about old-time religion and speaking with their frontman, Arrington DiDioniso. They're a big, well-loved band here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, and they're going on their first tour in over a decade. They're playing Portland, Billings, Madison, Milwaukee, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Asheville, Knoxville, St. Louis, Kansas City, and Denver. And they're on tour right now, so be sure and look them up and check them out. Uh, I've got some stickers and buttons that I ordered uh, with the logo that Bella Dalton made. And uh, I'd love to get them into your hands. Uh, just give me a rating, a review on iTunes or wherever else. Um, and then send me an email, lowprofilemarkley at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to send you some stuff. Um, I might want a little help with international shipping, but if it's domestic, I got a book of stamps, no problem. Also, I've got a Patreon going for the show. Um, you can find that at lowprofilepodcast.com. Anyway, here we go, talking old time religion with. Jeremy returning on the panel and Arrington did Dioniso. Enjoy. I love that song. Hi, this is Mark Lee. I'm here with Jeremy and uh, Arrington. We're here to talk about this band called Old Time Religion. They're a beacon of the Pacific Northwest freak out music scene of yesteryear and also of the future and um jeremy what's your relationship to this band oh uh, well i heard you guys a couple of years ago a friend of mine posted a best of uh 2007 music list on the internet because it had been 10 years and uh the song uh indestructible life was on there mind and I was like I need to hear more about this band and here's I listened to the album and loved it and then looked it up and you're, you're from the town I live in oh man you know Mark and that's wild you're you have a very uh, close relationship with this project I do I am the singer mm. and I write all the songs I do some guitar playing and a little bit of saxophone and a bit of bass clarinet. Some wind. Some wind, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm, I would say I'm pretty intimately involved with the band Old Time Religion for, for a long time. 
I'm 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 glad too. It would it wouldn't be the same without you, really. <laughs> it would be a, be a very interesting. It'd be a very different band without my input into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you, there's a new new record out. Yeah, yeah, brand new. Came out in March, and the recording for it was all finished. Uh, right before. For the new year, I think it, it it was all it all happened really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think even in November, maybe. Uh, yeah, from start to finish, we it it, it was like uh, we we had been act inactive for about ten years. Mm-hmm. So actually, that song that you're referring to, "Indestructible Life," that's the first song on Catharsis and Crisis, which was the last album that we released as a band that came out in 2007. So here we are 11, 12 years later, 2019. We have this record called See Now and Know. And it, and it was a, it was like a, a series of conversations between me and Aaron Hartman, the bass player, who kind of took it upon himself to produce this album so, so we did this in a really different way than some of our other stuff. It's not really, um, uh, well, it's the first album that we've ever done that wasn't recorded in Dub Narcotic Studio. Sure. So that right there is a huge difference. It's our first recording. Uh, I, I don't even, uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to admit this in public. It's our first recording not done with tape, and, uh-huh. you know, like all analog stuff. It was recorded on a computer and... You know, hey, it it sounds amazing. It came out great. Yeah, so, it sounds awesome. I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I used to be uh, really like old school. Old school. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would say I've got a pretty heavy track record of being old school with my uh, audio stuff. You know, doing on tape and all that. But but hey, computers work too. I guess. Yeah, and it it sounds good. So it's hard to let go of the old format, though. I mean, you have to work a really different way around it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's different. I think I think the hardest thing for me um, when I was recording music in the studio was uh, the all of a sudden you can do infinite number of takes. Yeah, and I feel like that can be more of a I think that can actually hold you back yeah. from giving your all on any given take. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So speaking of takes, here's my take on it. Uh-huh. Um, I like what you did there. The the constraints of the analog approach have always enhanced the creative experience for me. So if I'm going to transfer to a, a digital approach. I, I, I need to kind of import some extra, like, constraints just as a, as a way of working. Yeah. So most of the vocal takes, well, let me think. Yeah, almost all of the vocal takes on the album are, like, first or second takes. So, like, I, w- I would rehearse several times without recording right yeah like like a lot of people they'd go into the studio they'd they'd like record every single version 
even if it's just like, oh, I'm just warming up, but yeah, go ahead, record it anyway, because, you know, why not? We've got infinite amount of space or whatever. It's like I only recorded when I was actually doing the take, and and I think, if memory serves correctly, I, I think most of what's on the album is the first, second, or maybe there's a couple things that are like the third take, but, but most of them I do all the way through. And so this was with the... Uh so what became the classic lineup of the group, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jermaine Bacchus, our, our drummer, and then uh, Benjamin Hartman is Aaron's little brother. And he, he actually only plays on, a, I think, just one section uh, for the actual album, but but when we tour, he's like the saxophone player. Gotcha. With, with the live show, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was on the like a couple albums before back in back no, in no, the oddies. Yeah, he's just on Catharsis and Crisis. Oh, that was his first album. Yeah. Well, and same and same with Jermaine. Jermaine toured with. <clears throat> sorry, Jermaine toured with us before that album came out, but. She, that's the only album that she was on as oh, well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's just sort of you picked up where you left off. Yeah. Yeah. And but uh, but that's like that's the version of the band that most people saw because that was a that was the version that like toured the most. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cuz we did like we did like the full US and Europe saturation like three or four times with that lineup. I mean, we were just making, like, circles all around the country. Yeah. Um, 2007, 2008. Well, 2006, 7, and 8, it's it's just, like, a crazy blur. Like, I, I don't think I... I don't think I had a house the whole time. I was kind of like camping out at Dub Narcotic Studio. Yeah, because I, I, I wouldn't be in I wouldn't be in town for more than, you know. I think like a month would be the longest I would be home. So, I just kind of was crashing around for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember seeing you at the studio pretty much <laughs> all hours. Yep. <laughs> whether you were working at not working or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably, I probably wasn't doing a heck of a lot of work at that point. Yeah. So yeah. Would you say that was at the the kind of the height of your popularity, at the and during the first run? Uh, with that band, yeah, yeah. Because because when we got, by the time the last album came out, I mean, you know, it was like a culmination of everything else we'd done, and uh, for that last album, we had a little bit more of like a publicity machine behind us. I mean, I, I know, I don't know who actually paid for it. I mean, I think between K Records and then I think, I think a lot of it might have come out of pocket for the band as well. But, you know, we had like a kind of more of like a publicity engine uh, pushing it in the, in the rock and roll world, you know. So, so how did you feel about that? Kind of being a little more into the machine not that you guys are ever like. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's just like a drop in the bucket. Like I, I don't. It didn't really have any like massive impact in 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 um, like breaking into that world at, at all. Really, the the thing about our band that 
you know, I mean, I, I, it's like it's hard for me to talk about my own band sometimes. But I mean, the, the, the thing that we've always managed to do, uh, regardless of the lineups, because, you know, we've had a lot of drummers come and go and, and, and what have you. But as a, as a band, as a performance, we have always had a good sense of like what our impact is. So people who see an old time religion show never forget it. That's true. Yeah. And 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 that's just that's just what we that's what we've always managed to do. We we can create an environment on stage that permeates the entire space. So, you know, people hanging out even if they're all the way in the back of the hall, uh they they they're they're going to get that uh that impact of the show and it, and it's something that that that'll stick with you. So, you know, I'll 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 come across I mean over the last decade, I mean, I'll I'll come across people at uh other gigs I'm doing with other groups or or uh traveling or whatever and it's like, "Oh, yeah, hey, you know like did you guys play in Omaha, Nebraska in uh 1999 or something?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I I remember that show." Uh, there were only like five people at that show. It's like, yeah, man, me and my brother were 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 two of those five people. <laughs> I, I I always think about that show, man. That like, that you know, like whatever people say, like that changed their life or whatever. I mean, I don't know if it really changes anyone's life or whatever, but it's a religious experience. That's what people Absolutely. say. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's kind of what we're going for. I remember, uh, yeah, the weekend I moved to Olympia. I saw y'all play uh, at the Helsing Junction sleepover. Oh yeah, and uh, it was late at night. Yeah, I remember there being fire everywhere, but I think that might have just been implied sonically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you definitely got down to your skivvies for yeah. some yeah. bass clarinet solos. Yeah, there was there, probably a full moon. I don't think yeah, you took no. them off. No, 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 no. I mean, in the sky. But yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. that's where I get in the fire yeah. idea from. But I just uh, remember talking to you about it later. Like we we had never met yet at that point, but uh, just sort of like yeah, the music just made me kind of anxious. But like, yeah. It, uh, in a really fun way and like you know i couldn't help d but dancing and everything like that and uh you you told me that uh the mission of old time religion was to uh ev evoke equal parts joy and terror yeah yeah and uh I think that's a good that's an apt description. So I mean that's kind of how life is, you know. Oh yeah. It's it's a little bit of both. And uh you know, we kind of turn up the contrast and and just smush them both together, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So so <laughs> what what kind of music do you guys play? Is this like alternative rock or is it <laughs> is this modern jazz? Uh, well, you know, I mean back in the Back in the '90s, you know, when when there still was like a, you know, there used to be people who wrote about music for a living. You yeah, know? like there used to be music magazines, <laughs> and and even if you weren't like a super famous band, you know, like bands that would release like you know, <clears throat> two thousand copies of their new album would still get reviewed in 
you know, it might be like the very back pages of Spin or uh, sure. There was uh, Arthur. Remember that alternative? Magazine? What was that one? Alternative Press. Or, yeah. Uh, sorry, this thing's you gotta, just, It just keeps buzzing every time. Got a glitch. Uh, yeah, there, you know, there, there. So like, you you would get the like people would get really. Uh, creative about how they would uh, try to describe our sound because uh, it didn't really work to just list in a bunch of other bands that we sounded like, you know. Yeah, because there's so many. Well, yeah, it's, and it's like... <laughs> it's... I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, like, people would say, like, oh, like, it's like swamp rock, but it's also got free jazz influence but it's also got this uh people talk about captain beefheart yeah. a lot they all you know, throw that, that that being an influence or whatever and yeah that and was only partially accurate i mean i think that was accurate in my contribution but none of my other bandmates uh really like liked beefheart that much actually yeah you know maybe like, even didn't like it yeah i mean i think I think Aaron, I mean, I over the years I've gotten him to listen to Beefheart, kind of as a, as an afterthought almost. But like, okay. he he definitely initially he did not like Beefheart, and and he really, it really bothered him that people would bring that comparison in. So uh, yeah, I think know. Beefheart would be <laughs> proud of that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, but like we were, you know, we were trying to make dance music too. I mean, essentially everything we were doing is like we're trying to make music that people dance to. So, you know, when you, you know, when you talk about Beefheart, he was kind of coming at it from a, a pretty different angle, you know. Sure. Yeah. When you get down to it. <laughs> yeah, a whole nother, a whole nother art form, really. Um, but I, yeah, I I think old time religion just. Uh, in the longevity of the project and all the different lineups and personnel changes and everything, it's it's been an uncageable animal. Mm. And uh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Do you feel like a, like right now, kind of what you guys are doing, like sort of the mission's the same? Like you were talking before, you want it to be like a religious experience, but people that dance to and the kind of the contrast of the the light and dark. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to I want to really push the envelope as to like, you know, to what extent can music presented in the familiar format of like what a rock and roll band is. Uh, you know, you got guitars, you got a drum set, you got a bass a singer. It's a it's a show that people kind of crowd around and focus inwards on and whatever. You know, to what extent can, like, the presentation within the format and the tropes of a rock and roll band be a, a transformative experience that, you know, could bring people together, can bring people into this sort of inward experience and also an outward, also an outward experience, you know, where, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's a physicality to the music that I, that I think we're really kind of trying to express, you know, there's a, I mean, I think we were always, um, our music has always been like, like 
body positive in a way, like before people ever used that term in, in the way they do now? I mean, like, it, 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 this was in a time when, um, you know, specifically in Olympia, uh, almost any of the shows that I went to in Olympia in the, in the mid to late 90s were kind of like people standing perfectly still with their, like, shoulders sort of shrugged and kind of people like stereotypical hunched over a little bit and like may you know cool maybe kids. maybe nodding their head a little bit but like it, it was like really really uh, verboten to like start a mosh pit because you know that was considered uh threatening to like you know people's like vulnerabilities or whatever mm-hmm. so like there had been you know sort of a generation of of like punk music in Olympia where like moshing and like real wild behavior was sort of forbidden. Mm. And so, you know, musically we weren't really uh, a part of like that sort of like hardcore type lineage, even though that's, you know, what we listened to growing up. But we, you know, we wanted people to like move their hips a little bit more, you know, we wanted it to be danceable. and to kind of like embrace that, that just that kind of raw physicality. Is that where the song Your Mama Used to Dance came from? Oh, well that's a song. Um, ooh, yeah, that's a weird one. You know, that, that song's kind of about my ex-wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, say hi? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure she's tuning in. Okay. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah. All right. The, so, <laughs> so the short answer is no. That no, song was well, not no, about... no, not 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 directly that one. But okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, it was just yeah. a you know yeah. just just a shot. Just yeah. A... <laughs> um. Okay. What about uh? So what was going on with the album Witchcraft Rebellion? Ooh, that's a fun one. I, that's one of my favorites. It's a really fun album. Yeah, that, that's the that's the first one I got. Oh, and cool. So that's why I don't. Know, I really think stopped. I think that I think for any uh, uh, new initiate, that's like an excellent starting point. Um, So that was the last album we did with Phil Elvrum um, as our drummer, but also our like producer. You know, like um, the the process of recording the albums were always kind of this sort of collective effort, but we we kind of gave Phil <coughs> sort of this extra level of like creative freedom with his approach to you know all the uh, 
all the kind of outdated machinery that was Dub Narcotic Studio. Yeah. And this is when it was still at the big room on uh, Legion Way. And um, we it was the first album that we did where we recorded all the music separately from the uh, the songwriting process. So the, the first few records, Songbook Volume 1, Uterus and Fire, and then, of course, Serena de Pisera is sort of like uterus, uterus and Fire translated into uh, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, all that. Anyway, yeah. th so those first three records, uh, those were mostly songs that we had already been doing live before we recorded the songs. Gotcha. They were like written as like songs with the band. Witchcraft Rebellion, we, we went into the studio and just kind of started playing stuff, recording it, getting like really honed in in like the types of sounds that we were dialing in on the board. And then I uh, took a tape of all those sessions and I wrote lyrics to fit with every piece um, and came back into the studio like I think it was like six months later with like everything written down. And um, there's actually a couple songs on that, on that album that are just done on my four track. So like a lot of people don't know this, but like Vampire Sushi, for example, I'm actually playing all the instruments on that song. Oh. But then we sent it from the Tascam cassette player into the board to kind of do additional mixing on but anyway, like the, the, the over, you know, the, the concept, it's not completely consistent in every single song, but the idea was kind of like retelling the story of the book of Genesis from the serpent's perspective. Dark of the male, light of the female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mystery language. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, the part where it says... Uh, uh, bedelium, onyx, gold is there. That's all. That's all from Genesis. Bedelium, onyx, gold is there. talking about like the Garden of Eden and the whole the land where the four you know in between the four rivers and, and this kind of this idea of like paradise but you know paradise is uh, you either have to go really really far back in like ancient mythical history you know mythological paradise or it's this sort of utopian idea of what could be in the future and it and it's kind of this it's this idea that you know it, it's this land that doesn't really exist but for imagination you know so witchcraft rebellion is all about like reaching in through these like layers of imagination to uh, kind of discover the uh, like the the treasure map as it were you know to find this kind of uncharted territory yeah
Was that the first time you did kind of like an album with a sort of singular concept? Not to I mean, narrow I mean, it down. But. No, I mean, U- Uterus and Fire is pretty is pretty tight, too, because everything on that album is kind of like, it's about the end of the Piscean age. So it was sort of coming from this astrological concept about like, you know, you go from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And this was like a, a death knell for the, the age of Pisces. And, you know, this like confronting like like faith and fanaticism and, and all that. But it's it was also through, uh, you know, kind of my way of, I mean, when I, I was like 23 years old when I recorded that. So, you know, I, I had had a series of relationships with uh, several different women who were all Pisces, uh, you know, in the sign of Pisces. And so I mm-hmm. kind of, I kind of like conflated my personal experience in <coughs> those relationships with this kind of like larger kind of cosmic mystery that I was, you know, just trying to f- figure my shit out, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And you you recently shared a hell of a review Pitchfork gave that album. Yeah, yeah, pitch yeah, the Pitchfork review for that album that came out in 99 uh was a 0. 0.3 uh review out of 10 and uh and I and I think it really has kind of gone down in history even for people who don't necessarily know our band that well. I think that review has gotten a quite a bit of like circulation in the like rock music uh circles is like a like a kind of a historically excessively uh in, intensely like, hateful review of a of a band you know like i mean it it uses all kinds of uh i mean pretty offensive language i mean it 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 says that we sound like the the diarrhea of like chimpanzees with down syndrome and it's like there's all this like shaming of of uh disabilities and 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 uh yeah i mean it's it's like it's really obsessive yeah it's uh, yeah they put a lot of thought into it and it's a really long review too i mean you think if you hate a record that much you probably just yeah give I, it like two sentences and i think like, now you know. on pitchfork that's what they do they don't they don't write <laughs> dwell on it full paragraphs but yeah, yeah. so i mean <laughs> you definitely made an impact yeah. on that that music journalist yeah yeah that that was sort of like the it's beginning one, of the end of the era of music journalism. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's like it, 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 and it's a review that's like it's it's so bad that I mean, I I really think it kind of helped us a lot to win a lot of attention and and like new fans for us because it's the kind of thing like oh my god like I have to check this out yeah like, you have like, to like what could this thing actually what could this even sound like for someone to use <laughs> such like. Excessively descriptive language to uh, express their displeasure listening to it. So, and I could see you guys being a pretty polarizing band because you're like it's an extreme experience listening to you, like, and, and it's different, you know. Yeah, like, I mean, initially we we were definitely like the kind of band that would really clear a room pretty quickly, but then there'd always, you know, there'd always be like, you know, five or six people who'd kind of stick it out up front, and. I mean, I would say, like, I mean, probably, like, our first, like, 
five years of existing as a band. That was almost exclusively our experience. You know, like we had a core group, like when we played in Olympia, we had a core group of like all our friends who'd come see us. And of course they would, you know, dance okay. like crazy manatic <laughs> uh, banshees possessed by, uh, possessed by an ancient deity or whatever. But then, you Set know. a good it, example too. Yeah, but, but it was kind of like, we got to a point with local shows where it was only that group of people who would come. So, like, I remember we did a show with, um, like, we did a show with Modest Mouse in, it was like 98 or something. And, I mean, it was a really stark contrast of, like, uh, th you know, this is before anyone had really ever heard of Modest Mouse. So, you know, they had, like, the people that came to see them, and then we were headlining, and, like, everybody left by the time we played. Like, you know, and, and you, four or five people, you know, mm -hmm. um, stuck it out to see us. So it, and, and that was pretty, pretty typical of Olympia. The local headliner spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was different back then uh, in, in, in certain regards. Um but but things for the band took a really different course when um uh well that album uterus and fire actually got while it was getting these really you know horrible reviews from like pitchfork and that kind of thing in uh, in the italian press of all places it it got picked up not in just one major magazine but i think like uh Three of the major like underground music magazines in Italy all wrote about Uterus and Fire as like, you know, not just a review in the review page, but like they actually made it one of the like, you know, not like the main cover story, but like, you know, the an article the, like the second line down, like they wrote like really like deep, introspective, like almost academically verbose articles about this album and um and of course we we didn't know anything about this happening until a year later but uh we started having people writing us from italy asking when we were going to play there and i i <laughs> get these you know like i had just opened up like a hotmail account at that point and so like i get these emails and be like ha ha like what like okay yeah sure we'll go to italy like like you know having no <laughs> uh -huh. absolutely no idea like what that would involve and how to make that happen and um you know then then you know <clears throat> some, somebody wrote us who was like hey like no i'm 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 asking because like i'm actually a booking agent and i want to book a tour for you and you know what do you you know what's it going to take so like we we had no idea what to do like this has never happened before yeah and we weren't um you know, we weren't really on any kind of like professional touring circuit in the U.S. I mean, we were playing like garages and stuff out here. Yeah, were were you uh, were you going out on the road for weeks at a time and like playing garages around the country? Or we had done a cup. We had done one. Let's see. Well, at this point, yeah, we had done a couple West Coast tours. And then uh, 
then I did another tour that was, uh, I guess, about a month, which was pretty, pretty ramshackle. And, and I mean, in retrospect, it was really crazy. You know, I mean, yeah, it was like, it was, it was a lot of house shows and the house shows were usually good. And then it was a lot of like, you know, we would like, this was back in the day when you still had to like call a club on the phone yeah. and ask if they had a date open or whatever. And like, oh yeah, from Olympia, okay. Like, you know, so they, I don't know, like they thought like, oh, like maybe they sound like unwound or something. And, you know, they they would book us, you know, really kind of having no idea what they were getting. Yeah. And uh, And so they were definitely like a lot of like really mismatched uh, bills. But, but, you know, I mean, like I was saying before, I mean, I, I, I still run into people who saw us on that tour. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like, it's like, oh, yeah, like, I, I drove like four hours to come see you in Minneapolis and there was no one there. Like, <laughs> you know, like, there, there's, you know, quite a lot of that. Even today, I, I'll, I'll, I'll run into people who will uh, share those early experiences. But yeah, so we, so we had done that. But, you know, nothing like a, you know, nothing like a real tour where there's like promotion and yeah. expectation. Or, so they get you out to Italy? So they got us out to Italy, France, Germany, England, uh, a couple shows in Spain. And I think they even got us uh, one really weird show in Slovenia mm. and, and one relatively weird show in Croatia. Uh one super weird show in the Czech Republic, and uh, I don't think we played Poland until later. So yeah, I mean, we, just like all over, we were we were in Europe for a month, wow. and and it was and it was completely crazy. Um, the shows in Italy were a lot bigger than anywhere else. Right, that's so where that, you had your press and your yeah. new fan base. Yeah. So then, like, yeah, then so that started becoming a thing for. You know, basically, like the next decade, I I was going to Italy like every year, sometimes twice a year, because like I just was able to kind of build up a, a thing, and um, I taught myself Italian. So after after about the third or fourth time I was doing a tour there, like I was, you know, fluent enough to like talk to people at shows and sell records and. You know, like uh, sign autographs in Italian and have conversations with people and that kind of thing. So, so that definitely kind of became a thing for, um, you know, enabling the continuation of the band. And then I was like doing like a lot of like solo gigs and stuff around then, and like proposing different collaborations with people. And you know, like I could go out to Europe and like team up with other musicians and. Two different projects there. So, wow. so uh, had you recorded any songs in Italian before you went to Italy? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that's kind of an essential part of the story, which, which yeah, makes it all that much crazier. So, so the 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 lag time in in planning a tour, you know, it was it was a good like eight or nine months of emailing this guy back and forth before we did the first tour. So when we realized that it was like really gonna happen, we 
I mean, I don't even, I don't even understand how we did this, but we decided to, you know, we booked like two days out at Dub Narcotic and using a dictionary, I translated three songs into, one into Italian, one into Spanish, one into Portuguese. I did not at that point speak Italian or Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, you know, like I made these translations of my songs, and um, you know, I, I checked on them as much as I could. I, I think I actually, I was emailing a couple people in Italy to make sure that at least, you know, is it at least like grammatically correct or somewhat coherent? Somewhat coherent, and you know, like one guy emailed me back. He's like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense, but it, it sounds kind of cool. So, you know, whatever, <laughs> just, just just leave it the way it is, it'll be fine, you know. So. <laughs> And so like in, in like, like, one or two nights we recorded this entire EP and somehow we're able to get K records to uh, have all the production and mastering and have it actually released in time for our tour so so to it, and I mean like it, it's it's insane because you know nowadays like that would never happen you, you've got to have everything finished like it's like now they say like six months before the release date or seven months before the release date. Eight, you know, I, like I'll have people telling me like, oh, well, you know, really for promotion, we need it like a year ahead to get it on this thing or whatever. And it's ridiculous because like at the same time, you can upload something to Bandcamp like the same day that you record it if you if you want to. Yeah. So so it's kind of like we're we're caught in between these different uh you know, m modalities of how things are supposed to be released. But we got it, you know, we got it out. We got, it was in record stores. It was being distributed in Europe um, with enough time for the tour to happen. And so in Italy in particular, yeah, it was, it, it kind of blew up like bigger than we would have ever uh, imagined. I mean, so, you know, we went from, you know, playing these gigs in Olympia where we would clear the room to all but five people to like our very first night in Rome. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like a huge venue, but it was completely sold out and completely packed. And there were people singing along with some of the songs, which I thought was crazy. You know, like, yeah, it's really, it's really fun. Well, I hope you get that on this upcoming <laughs> tour with the new album. <laughs> See now and know. See now and know. How do you get this record? Well, you got to go to the show. Yeah, at this point, you got to go to the show. There, there, we had some distribution happening, and then, and then see, see, here's the thing: the music business, man. Like, this is a self-produced album, and uh, 
my man Aaron is kind of like in charge of putting this all together, and he, uh, you know, he fronted uh, the production cost for <clears throat> 500 records. And so I'm like, okay, Aaron, you know, like that's cool. Like, I think we could sell 500 records without a heck of a lot of, you know, like I think we could move 500. So like, at what point are you going to order more? And he never ordered more. So we, you know, we had some distribution going through K and Secretly Canadian, and now we actually like. Uh, we had to ask for more copies back so that we have enough to take with us on oh, the road. Wow. Yeah. So right now at this point, and then, and then he, t he decided to take it, like we were doing a bunch of mail order through the Bandcamp site, and he decided to actually take it off Bandcamp. Wow. Because he was like, well, if, if we keep selling it on Bandcamp, we're not going to have any for the show. And I was like, I mean... I don't know, man. Like, you, you, you make your bed, you got to lay in it too. Like, you you only made 500 copies. Like I told you, like, we might need more. But then that's the thing with the music business. If you want more copies, you gotta you gotta put more money in because no one's gonna like front you the cash anymore. Yeah. And so like, nobody wants to go through that thing of having like. 600 cds in their basement yeah. you know because i'll show you you've been to my basement man i got yeah, yeah there's like there's a whole big shelf there's a whole corner of our basement that's just boxes of merchandise from the 2000s that never got sold yeah because that was when you know you had a new album they print like 5,000 copies of an album and it is like i don't know no one was keeping tabs on that no one cared you know maybe you only sell like you know, nowadays, I'd, if you sell 2,000 of something, that's like, oh, yeah, that's a miracle. But, you oh, know. yeah, you get in the New York Times for selling 2,000 <laughs> yeah, copies. Yeah, nowadays. Of a physical object? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, you know, back back then, they were like, they you know, they just, I don't know, they didn't <clears> care. They were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll print 5,000, and, yeah, we'll see, you know, we'll see how it does. There's, like, a lot more kind of gambling happening. Um does that come back on you if it if it doesn't sell as the artist? Do well, you... that's that's a complicated conversation. Getting into some, uh, yeah, that'll, murky that'll waters. be another episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ba I mean, basically, yeah, it come kind of comes back on you, but but there, I don't know. I mean, like, it goes both ways. Yeah, it's sort of like everybody. I mean, really, everybody loses, except well, I have a basement of like thousands of CDs that. <laughs> You know how cool is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when CDs get cool again in twenty years, you know. You'll, um, yeah. yeah, you know. I mean, it's 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 all money in the bank, man. Because <laughs> it's all going to come back around. You yeah. know, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I I sure hope so. Yeah. Um, well, I I think we uh, I think we're closing in here. All right. Um. You guys are excited about this tour, I bet. I'm excited for you. It's going to be beautiful. It'll be good times. You're going to sell all the rest of those, whatever, 500 minus whatever you've sold. Yeah, whatever it is. You know, I don't even care. Well, I, I, just getting it into the hands of people, it, so, it, you know. You know, we also made T-shirts. 
And you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll sell more T-shirts than we sell records. You know, like that's fine too. But uh, really, it's it's like it's about it's just about like reaching people face to face. You know, with with our music and 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 doing our thing, and and you know the the, the old time religion experience. It's it's a real like visceral show, and I feel like the the results of the effect that we have on people are are, 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 are really immediately experienced and and you know like we 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 notice you know when it when it has an impact on people and uh you know people say so you know um and you know in this day and age um you know i'm always kind of asking myself like well i i kind of grew up with this belief that you know because my my dad was really into bob dylan and kind of a lot of like you know my dad taught me about all the like stuff that was happening in the 1960s and civil rights and anti-war movement stuff and you know there there was this kind of palpable feeling like oh like you know like music can change the world and you know here we are 2019 and and we keep kind of kind of running running up against these walls of like man like something's got to change the world like i don't know what's gonna work because like we've been trying all these things and it's not working like we're still kind of going down this pretty like dark road it seems a lot of times um but i definitely have experienced firsthand you know i don't know what impact it has on the whole geopolitical ecology and what have you but i know that like on people if if you can reach people at the like heart center and 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 touch some kind of like emotional cord or you know reach into that i don't know like what you call it like that that visceral physical palpable feeling of like the the you know the agitation and the excitation of like being moved by music i mean i mean i, I don't know it's like i i'm 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 kind of trying to grasp for straws here in one way but i also feel like i have enough confidence in in like the 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 power that i've experienced that music has like i know that that can be channeled into having some greater impact if 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 it's just i don't know just done the right way or done a certain way i i think we could we could pull it together somehow you know i think so too i think music does a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and uh yeah yeah it's like move move mountains with it people it's almost because your your music is so like sense altering almost it's kind of like how people back in the you know the 60s be like oh just if everyone took acid it would be different or you know in the 90s yeah. it's like if everyone took an e-pill like well the all the world leaders did that you don't need to take any no. of that stuff because you got dragon juice go you know? see mm-hmm. old-time yeah. religion yeah yeah, yeah. this tour is sponsored experience. by dragon juice dragon juice yeah. Yeah. yeah who's got the juice who's got the juice who's got the juice well
a quick question. Yeah. So I saw you. Uh, you played a show at the backstage in uh, Olympia, at the Capitol Theater. Yeah. And before before the show, you went around to all the bandmates on stage. Yeah. With like a a dropper. And yeah. Dropped a. Uh, dosed everybody. Yeah. 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 A lot of people ask what that is. Um, you know, let me just say that it's available in just about any uh, co-op or natural food store in America, probably most other countries too. Um, it's just a, it's just a, uh, it's a, it's an herbal supplement that uh, is used to boost energy and endurance. Uh, the endurance is kind of the key thing because, uh, you know, when we bring things up to a fever pitch with the band, we don't really let it down. Like once the show starts, there isn't a heck of a lot of time on stage where we ever like bring it down, even for a notch or so. Like, like we're not, we don't really have the like. You don't skip and do a ballad or something. No, we don't really have. We used to try to kind of do. I mean, there's a couple songs that are slightly slower, but then we bring it back up again. Yeah, but it's still, it's like, every song is kind of at this, like, intensity that, you know, we really need to be able to sustain throughout, you know, the hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes of the yeah. set. Definitely one of the, yeah, the elements that makes it so sense-altering, because a lot of, you don't get that a lot, yeah. performance music. It's awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, Arrington. Thank you, Markley. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Arrington. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, I hope you have a great tour. I hope everybody here in their headphones or wherever they're living listens to old-time religion. You could learn a lot. And uh, Well, y y we do have to say, though, if you're, if you're on a computer trying to type it out you got to remember to type out r-e-l-i-j-u-n now if you've got like that autocorrect thing on there it might try to tell you you're spelling it wrong you're spelling it right though but you're spelling it the right way because if you type in the way you've been taught in school you're going to get a bunch of like gospel stuff that you probably aren't interested in or you might be. You, some of it, some of it might be pretty cool, actually. If you, you know, just check it out. I mean, God, you know, like listen without prejudice. But uh, yeah, if you want the band, the old time religion band, check out R E L I J U N, and that'll get you in the right direction. And not the band, the band playing old time religion. No, no we don't no, want that. No, no, I mean that's different. Yeah, that's a different thing. That could be pretty good too. Though. That's pretty good. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed Old Time Religion. We'll be back in two weeks featuring the first live in-studio band, uh, The Gift Machine from San Diego. Can't wait to share it with you. See you then. <laughs>